2: The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluesteak Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut, are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is December 2nd, 2021, and on Wednesday, Atlanta United announced its year-end roster moves. Before I get into that, I just want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and I hope that you'll consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution for all of our excellent coverage of your municipality, as well as all the wonderful sports teams in our community. So, the roster moves that Atlanta United made, dictated by Major League Soccer, there are four types. Basically, these are the players who are under contract or keeping, These are the players who had an option on their contract and we exercised it. These are the players who had an option on their contract and we didn't exercise it. And these are the players that are simply out of contract. There weren't too many major surprises uh, in Atlanta United's decisions yesterday. The biggest was to not exercise the option on backup goalkeeper Alec Kahn's contract. He has proven to be a very, very good player for Atlanta United, a, a starter when needed, a very good starter when needed. Um, a guy who doesn't cost a lot—only one hundred fifteen thousand dollars, according to Major League Soccer Players Association—but they didn't exercise the option. But in my reporting, I learned that they are negotiating with him and hoping to sign him as a free agent. Those announcements can't be made until next week. I believe it is, or might be two weeks. But I think you'll see Alec returning to Atlanta United. Unless someone were to come to him and say, hey, we want to sign you and you will definitely be our starting goalkeeper. In which case, I couldn't really blame him for wanting to go somewhere else. Uh, Two other minor surprises for me were the team not retaining uh, defensive midfielder Mo Adams. He doesn't start a lot. He's behind a few other guys such as um, Santiago Sosa and Franco Ibarra. But he only makes, according to the MLSPA salary database, $141,000. To me, this might signal that the team, Carlos Bocanegra and Gonzalo Gonzalo Pineda, talked about this yesterday, but a a formation change from a back five, in which it's three center backs, two wing backs, and and then fronted by two defensive midfielders, to maybe just using one defensive midfielder next year um, instead of two in which case you have Sosa, you have Albarra, you really don't need a third uh, with Mo Adams. Or it could be opening up a slot to add a veteran leader that Carlos Bucanegra said, and Pineda said they want to add a kind of a glue piece to help the team manage games. As, as y'all know, Atlanta United had very significant issues, particularly at the ends of games last season. Uh, they gave up, I think it was, 13 points in the regular season from games that it was leading after the 75th minute, uh, something like that. Uh, and, of course, the two set-piece moments against NYC and FC in the playoffs that could have been managed better that might have enabled Atlanta United to at least give itself a chance to win, which it didn't do because of the two goals on the set-pieces. Uh, the other interesting uh, decision was to keep Alex Dejon, a center back who barely played for Atlanta United last year, um, doesn't cost a lot, but the team has George Campbell. It has Bryce Washington. It has a friend Morales who I don't think you're going to see with Atlanta United for a couple of seasons. Probably. Um, I, I didn't understand if, they, if they're going to maybe switch to two center backs, they already have Robinson, unless they think he might be sold. They have Franco, they have walks, they have George Campbell, why they needed Alex Dijon, um, a theory that I have is maybe he's going to spend a lot of time working with guys like Washington and guys like Morales with Atlanta United too, to try to mentor them and help them become better pros to get them ready. Uh, That's just a theory. I don't know. I think you'll probably see at least Washington training a lot with Atlanta United next season. He was already doing so in the run up to the playoffs when Miles Robinson was off of the U S men's national team, just to give him experience and to help with the numbers. Uh, The other interesting uh, decision was Mikey Ambrose. Retaining Mikey Ambrose, he didn't play – he played less than 90 minutes last season as George Bellow's backup. But you need a good backup, particularly if the team sells Bellow, which I'm going to get into in a minute. But if they sell Bellow, they would bring back Gutman from uh, on loan at Red Bulls. You still need that left-sided backup. I don't think they have a homegrown in the pipeline or an academy player who's going to come in at that position. So that's why they keep – Ambrose. So we got to talk with Bocanegra and Pineda yesterday. And of course, one of the first questions uh, Bocanegra was asked about is if the team is planning to move forward as if Ezekiel Barco is going to be on the roster. He's, you know, been of interest to clubs in Europe for a while now, obviously still with the team, the team he's still under contract with the team next season. He's coming off career highs in goals, assists, minutes, appearances, just about every category uh, because he was healthy most of last season. He had a a good year. I I, I wrote a blog that I think that there's a thing that I call the Barco bounce in which he plays well for the first few games under a new manager, and then he starts to kind of revert back to the old Barco, the over-dribbling, not making the best decisions with the ball, Barco, and I laid that out in a blog, and you can, you can go and read it. Uh, you can find it on ajc.com or just Google my name and Barco Bounce, and it should pop up. But anyway, uh, Bocanegra said that the team has received considerable interest in Barco. We'll see what happens if, if they sell him in the soft season. I think they almost have to. Uh, I don't know if they'll get what they want. Uh, you know, they allegedly paid $13 million or so for Barco with the market being slightly depressed uh, because of COVID and and everything else. I don't know if they'll get that $13 million back, but we'll see what happens. And then Bocanegra was asked about two other players that are probably of interest, um, George Bellow, fullback, and center back Miles Robinson. uh, Bocanegra said there is considerable interest in Bellow, which I had previously reported that interest remains. Still no interest in Miles Robinson, which surprises me a little bit, um, He's, uh, I think, the best defender in Major League Soccer. I know Walker Zimmerman, uh, Lawrenceville native, was named Defender of the Year for the second consecutive year last year. You look at the stats, I think it was either Robinson or uh, the player for Sporting Kansas City who were the better defenders in Major League Soccer, but for whatever reason, Robinson finished third. But here's some audio of Carlos Bocanegra talking about Barco Bello Robinson and a little bit about Franco Escobar whose uh, option was exercise he spent last season on loan at Newell's O'Boys, but is supposed to be coming back. I'll be stunned if we ever see him at Atlanta United's training ground again, but here's Bocanegra.
0: Yes, we, we've had quite a few um, inquiries about George Bell. Uh, obviously, he's a you know, 19-year-old left-sided uh, left sided player that's very dynamic, very athletic, uh, You know, caps with the national team, 30 40 professional games under his belt so you can imagine the the type of interest that that he's garnering so um again he'll be he'll be a tough decision for us in the off season and um like quite a few of these other guys that we have so uh, miles we haven't we haven't had anything barker we've had quite a bit of interest in in him
2: all right so there's a little update on those three guys I think that Barco will be sold. I think the team might hold on to Bello unless they get an out-of-sight offer because next year is a World Cup year. I figure Bello should be in the running to make the U.S. squad. He played for it. Uh, He got called up twice with a few appearances last year or this year. We're not quite done with this year yet. Um, Because obviously playing well in a World Cup significantly increases a player's value. Uh, the same, I think, will probably be true for Robinson. Um, I think he'll definitely start for the U.S. if it qualifies for the World Cup. And based upon his performances already, he should do well, and that is going to generate some interest. So switching now to players that might be coming in to the roster, you know, there there was no confirmation of Diego Almada, the starlet from Argentina, from uh, Valise Sarsfield. Neither Pineda nor Bocanegro wanted to confirm that. Um But Bucanegra did say that they want to bring in a couple of veterans, guys to help manage games, guys who can either put a foot on the ball or get the guys going. I think that was a a really big void on the team last year. I think Brad Guzan is a fantastic captain, but once the games get going, there's only so much Brad can do because he's in the goal and not in the middle of the field or or high up the field. Joseph Martinez has that fire, but I think the team needs someone like former player Jeff Lorowitz a guy who's been in MLS, who knows the situations, who can talk to the guys in English or Spanish and kind of get them to understand this is what we have to do right now to to get a result in this game. I think they were missing that last year. I, I, you know, I've told Pineda that. I, I've told other people that. So this is not a surprise. Um, so I think that's what they're going to add. Here's Bocanegra talking a little bit about that.
0: What we'd like to add uh, is similar to what we spoke about last time, can we add a veteran uh, or two to the roster uh, to give us a little bit more game understanding, game management, um, the understanding of the league situations, uh, things like that to balance out uh, uh, some of the youngsters uh, that are young, hungry, ready to fly and and go forward every time, or sometimes we need to put our foot on the ball.
2: Now. Atlanta United, uh, with yesterday's uh, announcements, already has almost a full roster. Um, They've it, got – I'm going to look it up here really quick for you. I wrote it yesterday, but I want to make sure I get it right for you. Um, almost 27 guys, I think. 28 players under contract with a ro- and MLS rosters are capped at 30. Uh, you could send out a couple of guys on loan, which opens up spots. So they don't have a lot of room. But, you know, I, as I said, I don't think Escobar is coming back. Uh, I think you're going to see a trade. Uh, Bocanegra hinted at it a little bit yesterday. Um, and I'm so curious about what the team's going to do with Marcelino Moreno, um, who I don't know if he fits within what Pineda wants to do. I think he's a great player, but I don't know if he fits within what Pineda wants. So we talked to Bocanegra first, and then we spoke with Pineda second yesterday when we were talking to him about what he wants to see from this team next season. He said he obviously wants to win, but then he started talking a little bit about um, his goals for the team and what he wants out of training camp. So here's Gonzalo Pineda talking about what he hopes to see.
1: With this time in front of me, it's a great opportunity to really uh, probably pass a better message to the players on how we want to play, why we want to play in, in that way, and uh, how i can also find the solution from the players i always tell this because yes i have ideas i have uh, influences from different coaches in my career from coaches now in the world doing great things Uh, but obviously i have to coach what i see in front of me which is the players and the different connections that they can get on the field and the training sessions we have to be alert to see those connections and how we can take those solutions that they bring on the table to to put it for the team.
2: So for those new to Atlanta United, Pineda joined as Atlanta United's manager, uh, mid season last year, after uh, a few years as an assistant at Seattle, kind of a model franchise in major league soccer and 13 games under Pineda. The team took 24 of a possible 39 points, which is pretty good, but it did have some issues. Um, did have some issues going forward. I've already mentioned the issues defensively and giving up um, late goals and, and and turning wins into draws or draws into losses. Offensively, the team didn't really play well uh, in the final 10 games, 8 to 10 games. Didn't create a lot of chances. Didn't put a lot of shots on goal, which was surprising considering the firepower the team has with Joseph Martinez and Barco and, and Moreno and Luis Araujo and the wing backs George Bello and Brooks Lennon. They didn't really you know, do well. Uh, for the season, uh, the team was seventh in MLS and key passes with 71 but scored just 42 goals, 20 fewer than league leaders New England. Its rate of expected goals, which is 1.29, was among the lowest in the league. Uh, so in that regard, Pineda talked about what he wants more tactically from the team next season
1: on the soccer side i would like this team to improve on creating more and better chances i think we saw that for a few games but in others we probably were not as good as as we hope uh, to be but i would like the team to be even more aggressive when we are on the ball trying to look to break lines all the time all the time all the time trying to break lines but the knowledge that I have from this league is that the transition is big in this league. So we, at the same time, as we want to continue to be aggressive on the ball, try to create chances, try to break lines all the time, try to be very proactive and playing a very energetic style of football where everybody's playing and moving, playing and sprinting. And that's what the fans enjoy. That's what we all enjoy to see a team that is always trying to attack, trying to penetrate lines uh, at pace. Uh, after that, that we need to to maintain the control of the game, having some balance between the players that are uh, just protecting the counter and try to regain the ball again uh, and then trying to continue the attack. So that's always the challenge on what is the best shape to do that, where are the best players to do
2: that. So that was Pineda talking about the tactics. It's nothing new. He said this a lot last year. But uh, the formation change that he and Bocanegra uh, referenced a couple of times is going to be the difference, I think. Uh, I think you're going to see either a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-1-4-1 to get more attacking players on the field to get those numbers going forward, which they didn't really have a lot of last year. Now, just I want to catch y'all up a little bit on some key dates coming up. Uh, You can put these on your calendar if you want to, or hopefully you'll just follow my coverage on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC or on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. December 12th, the half-day trade window opens. That's from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, You'll see clubs making moves. Of course, Atlanta United has made a splash before with the trade for Darlington Nagby, which y'all will remember a few years ago. Obviously helped the team win the MLS Cup, U.S. Open Cup, and Campionis Cup. December 13th, the list of free agents will become available from the league, as well as those players eligible for end-of-year waivers and the re-entry process. December 14th. Is the expansion draft for Charlotte FC coming online next year? Uh, Charlotte FC will select as many as five players. Uh, once a team loses a player, uh, all the the remaining players are pulled back, so they can only lose one player. The list of those eligible players will be December thirteenth. We'll find out who Atlanta United has protected, who it hasn't. I'll have a blog a little bit closer to then on who I think Atlanta United will protect and who they want. And I think there may be one surprise. December 15th is end-of-year waivers. That And that's also the same date at 1 p.m. when free agency opens. So if Atlanta United comes to an agreement with uh, Alec Can, that is when it will be announced. Uh, I think that teams can only sign two free agents, I believe is the rule. i have to go back and look. That's what it used to be. We haven't really seen what the new CBA is, uh, so I don't know if that's changed. So you won't see too many splashes there. Um, December 17th is the reentry process in which you could sign players that nobody else wanted. Um, and then it's again, December 23rd and then training camp will open either in late January or early February. Uh, the first games have already been announced for next year. And Atlanta United, as I hope y'all will know, uh, will open February 27th versus sporting Kansas city at 3 p.m. at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It will be a full stadium game, so it should be 70-something thousand. Uh, We'll see if they get more than Charlotte because Charlotte is already touting that it is going to sell out at uh, 72,000-seat stadium there in in Uptown Charlotte. And then Atlanta United's second game is March 5th at Colorado at what used to be Dick's Sporting Goods Park. I have no idea if it's still Dick's Sporting Goods Park. Uh, It's two tough games for Atlanta United. Colorado finishes the top team. In the West last year, supporting Kansas City was second or third, I think, in the West. Uh, So that's two tough games for Atlanta to open, but you should get a pretty good idea of the team's quality based upon these two games. All right. That is going to wrap up the Southern Fried Soccer podcast. I didn't ask for any questions from anybody Uh, this time. We might do a mailbag next week uh, to keep the podcast going. It was a great year uh, for the podcast. I want to thank all of you for your work and your questions and the time you spent. Coming up with really good questions and listening to the podcast, I want to thank um, Gonzalo Pineda, Atlanta United's front office, communications department, for all their help uh, with my content this year, making players available, making managers available. Thank Gonzalo Pineda, Rob Valentino, for giving really insightful answers to our questions, um, especially compared to their predecessor. Um, I want to thank all the other guys who cover Atlanta United uh, for their various outlets, and I would ask you to please consider following them on Twitter, uh, following their work, uh, Dirty South Soccer, uh, The Athletics, Siempre United, uh, Soccer After Dark, uh, Five-Stripe Final, Dirty South Soccer, the guys at MLS, Sam Jones, Andrew Wiebe, uh, Charles Boehm, um, uh, all those guys, and I'm forgetting some, and I'm I'm sorry if I have, uh, but just know Please look for their content. I want to thank Jay Black, who came on late to the AJC as our podcast manager. He's doing a great job helping me with the audio and things like that. All right, so that's going to wrap up the Southern Fried Soccer podcast. Uh, As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and we'll have another podcast next week that will be a mailbag. So think of some great questions. Email them to me at uh, droberson, that's D-R-O-B-E-R-S-O-N, at AJC.com.